Hello, I'm Kendra Winchester here with Joss, and this is Reading Women, a podcast inviting you to reclaim the bookshelf and read the world. Today, we're talking to Talia Hibbert about her latest novel, Actor Age, Eve Brown, which is out now from Avon. You can find a complete transcript of our conversation on our website, readingwomenpodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Today, we are very excited to talk to Talia Hibbert and Joss. Uh, I think you were the first person that introduced me to Talia Hibbert. Yes, uh, and I was introduced to Talia Hibbert's books uh, by herself. I actually uh, received her Ravenswood series in the mail when I was at a very miserable moment in my pregnancy, and I blazed through all of them, and I was hooked from there. (laughs) And her latest series, the Brown Sisters series, has been equally delightful. And uh, like we said, her latest novel actually comes out today on the day that we're recording Actor Age Eve Brown. And it is one of my favorites in the series. I mean... To be truthful, they're really all my favorites. (laughs) But this one in particular is especially delightful uh, for me as a neurodivergent woman because uh, both Eve, our protagonist, and her love interest, Jacob, identify as autistic. So I love their romance. I love their story. And I love the representation. Yes, I, I, you know, I think... You know, each new book in the series is my new favorite, Um, but I'm planning on re-listening to them all very soon. And I'm sure like after I finish each one, that will then become my new favorite and et cetera, et cetera. So they're just all really, they're just all really well written. The characters are so vibrant and you can see them and all the sisters are very different. And so it's not like, you know, she's rewriting the same story. These are all each individual, different kinds of characters. And I love that about um, this series because each of them is their own unique person and the love stories are working through real a lot of difficult issues uh you know the first one is about a woman with chronic illness the second one um zaf the protagonist um in that he has struggles with mental illness and um anxiety and uh, in this one like you mentioned we have two autistic main characters who are falling in love, which is pretty great. I'd never actually read a romance that featured that before. Yeah. And, and like he mentioned, you know, each of the sisters is so different. And we talked to Talia about the sister dynamic and personally as a sisterless person, I love reading about them because that's not something that I've ever had experience with. Um, And she mentions that, and this is so true, you know, that there's something just so comforting about their family dynamic. And in each of the books in the Brown Sisters series, we see a little bit about how their family interacts, you know, both the good and the bad and the challenging. And that's something that I really, really appreciate about this series in particular. So yeah, we are definitely both huge fans. And I am just going to recommend the audiobooks right here because Ione Butler is phenomenal as a narrator. I love the way that she gives each of the sisters their own unique voice. The heroes are like this, the witty dialogue and uh, it's all so amazing. So if you have access to them, definitely check out the audiobooks. But whatever way you experience these stories, you will definitely love them. Uh, before we jump into our interview with Talia Hibbert, uh, Joss, why don't you tell us a little bit about her? Oh my gosh, I love her bio. I was just reading through it. It is delightful, as is she. Um, But Talia Hibbert is a USA Today and Wall Street Journal bestselling author who lives in a bedroom full of books. 
Supposedly, there is a world beyond that room, but she has yet to drum up enough interest to investigate. Hashtag relatable. Uh, She writes steamy, (laughs) diverse romance because she believes that people of marginalized identities need honest and positive representation. Her interests include makeup, junk food, and unnecessary sarcasm. (laughs) Talia and her many books reside in the English Midlands. Is that not the most amazing bio that you've ever read? As I was reading it, I was like, oh, love it. (laughs) All right. Uh, So without further ado, here is our interview with the wonderful Talia Hibbert. Hi, we are so excited today to have Talia Hibbert on the Reading Women podcast. Uh, she is a person that I have been wanting to interview forever. So welcome, Talia, to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I, Joss and I talk about your books already so much. I, I feel like this is just the perfect for the two of us to do. And to finally get to talk to you, we are over the moon excited. Um, and... Yeah, I don't know. We're, we're trying not to fangirl, like, actively, and so <laughs> we'll try to read really hard. <laughs> it really <laughs> is. <laughs> um, so we, we thought we would start, like, big picture and go back to, you know, your career started as, like, a self-publishing, um, a self-published author, and then you were picked up by a major publishing house. So what was that transition like for you uh, going from self-publishing your books to, you know, having the whole process of an editor and marketing and all sorts of things? Um, It was definitely a learning curve, you know, because I'd spent a while figuring out how to publish one way. And then suddenly I was in a completely different situation and, you know, a publishing world that I knew very little about, despite how many books I'd published previously. So I really, first of all, had to figure out that it was okay to ask people for help and explanations when I didn't understand things because I was very self-conscious about that at first. But since, you know, getting over those growing pains, the main thing I've found is that, first of all, it's a very different kind of schedule. I feel like things move a lot faster when I'm self-publishing. I can't speak for other people, but because I'm not kind of marketing and planning on such a big scale as my publisher, Avon, I don't really need as much time, you know, as as much lead time as they do. So I can go from conception to published book much quicker. But at the same time, you know, there's a lot more to do on the traditional publishing side. Each step is broken down a lot more. And in short, I've just found that both have their pros and cons. I've really enjoyed both. And it really depends on, I think, what you want for the book and also what you want for your career at that point in time. Um, and you're like your working lifestyle. And your books are published in multiple countries now. What's that like? And is there like a difference in the reception of the books that you've seen? It's really interesting. So from the start, it was a bit of an international experience for me publishing as a whole because I'm British and most of my audience has always been North American. Um, So I've kind of had to adjust to time differences when I post my promotional stuff and think about differences in language and things like that. But now I'm at the point where um, I just received in the post the other day some copies of the German edition of Get a Life, Chloe Brown. And I was looking at the book actually in a different language. And I was like, okay, this this is ridiculous. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I also learned that German speech marks look different, which I did not know. And I felt very ignorant for that not occurring to me. But they do. They look different. Um, so it's it's very exciting. Um, and I don't know enough about the reception in non-English speaking countries as of yet. Although I will say that Brazilian readers go hard. That is what I've noticed thus far. <laughs> Um, I have noticed a difference in kind of UK versus US reception, mostly because of the difference in how genre romance is categorized and read and marketed here versus there. Um, but overall, it just makes me so happy to have, you know, readers from so many different places who come with so many different perspectives. And it's really exciting. I think it's so exciting that you are being published in multiple different countries and side note that Brazilian readers go hard because I'll, I'll make a note of that in my head, but I think it's so awesome because accessibility <laughs> is a huge issue, right? In the publishing industry and the fact that readers get to access your books all over the world, I think is so cool because your books definitely need to be, definitely need to be uh, shouted about everywhere. Oh, thank you. Uh, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about the sister and family dynamics in your books, uh, particularly in the Ravenswood series, uh, which was definitely my gateway into uh, your books and also the Brown Sister series. And as a sisterless person, I've always been a little jealous of of your women. <laughs> so could you tell us a little bit more about how you navigate these dynamics? Yeah, sure. I have sisters and I'm part of a very close family and growing up, the majority of the people in my family were women. So I feel like that, you know, is reflected in my work. My characters usually, not all the time, but usually tend to have a tight-knit family or a kind of found family dynamic that supports them and that they can always come back to. And it definitely comes more naturally for me to write women purely because of my own experiences to write women supporting each other in that sisterly or that familial way. And I find that because romance characters go on such a, a difficult and vulnerable emotional journey, but I still want my books to be kind of comforting and cozy, them having that sort of safe place to land is a big part of achieving the vibe that I want for the books. Oh my gosh, definitely not helping with the sister jealousy there. <laughs> but uh, I really do enjoy reading about about all the sister dynamics. And, and kind of like you mentioned, you know, at the very end of Eve Brown, which obviously we'll talk about in a little bit, you know, kind of just the family coming together in a way that was so special was so heartwarming. Definitely, definitely teared up a little. <laughs> well, today we're talking with you about the third book in the series, and that's Actor Age, Eve Brown. And for listeners, you can read them really in any order. Um, I happen to have read them in order because as soon as they like, you know, hit the ground in the US, I grab one and read it. <laughs> we we just, just can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of the reasons I love your books is because as someone who has a disabling chronic illness, I very rarely see love stories for us or even that we're the central characters of anything. Um, we're always like the inspirational, like sickly sibling or whatever who wastes away off in a corner, whatever, um, which maybe might be, that's <laughs> how I felt when I read 19th century literature anyway. Um, and so when I met Chloe, who's the first sister's story that we read. 
I was like, oh my word, she budgets like I do. She works from home because, you know, she has a disability like I do. And I felt incredibly seen. Um, and each of these books in the series, they feature uh, different kinds of disabled, chronically ill. Um, you look at mental health in the second one and also autistic characters, which is so fabulous. So I imagine that including all this was very intentional on your part. Um, so what was your idea of wanting to write these romances with this kind of, of representation of um, disabled, chronically ill, neurodivergent characters? Um, I feel like throughout my work, representing the aspects of my own life or the lives of my loved ones that I maybe don't see as much as, as I could or in as accurate and positive a light as I might hope, that's always been really important to me. And so when I decided that I wanted to write a romantic comedy, I kind of immediately knew that I wanted it to be about chronic pain because obviously chronic pain is really difficult to live with, but actually I think you find a lot of humour in the situations that it puts you in, you know, mostly because you kind of have to. And I just thought that it would be really fun to to show that side to it when, like you said, a lot of the time, if you do have a disability or an illness, you're kind of the tragic, inspirational character who's wasting away. I really wanted to write something that directly opposed that. And that's kind of how I built Chloe. And then when I was crafting Chloe's personality and I decided that she was kind of a textbook older sister, I had to start thinking, OK, so who were her younger sisters? And that is how I built Danny and Eve and decided that it was going to be a trilogy. And then approaching each book, I feel like I always start with characters when I'm working on a book. And I feel like just being open to the fact that some people have difficulties with their mental health and some people are neurodivergent, you know, just bearing that in mind when you're creating characters helps you see places where it naturally fits in as part of a story or an identity. Um, and I think that's why a lot of my characters have that kind of representation purely because it's always at the forefront of my mind that it could happen. And so it does. I think your characters are one of my favorite thing about your books, if not absolutely my favorite thing. And I think it's so great that, you know, you wrote Chloe in a way that injects humor. It injects levity because, you know, oftentimes folks who are chronically ill, who experience chronic pain are just kind of like this inspirational piece. But, you know, when we experience chronic pain, at least in my personal experience, there's kind of no way around it except to kind of bring some light into it. Because, you know, not only do folks not know a lot about it or are represented accurately, um, but also like that's just kind of like how I get from day to day, right? It's like <laughs> just kind of laughing at my own experience and bringing levity to it. So I did want to ask you, um, what is it like kind of writing characters that have maybe a little piece of how you identify personally? I find it easiest when I'm building a character to start with something that I can relate to. Um, so, you know, because, for example, if you take Chloe having chronic pain and having fibromyalgia, which I also have, if I can envision so easily and so authentically certain aspects of her life that stem from that, it helps me make her real inside my head a lot faster so I'm very different from Chloe in a lot of ways, but because I was able to start from that shared experience, it helped me see her as, you know, a real person and try and develop her as three-dimensionally as I could. And also, 
I, I really hate research. So I quite like writing characters who have similar experiences to me because it cuts down sometimes on the need for research. And I'm very bad at that part. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think it really shows that you can, you can see that you know your subject and that you deeply related um, to these characters through your own experiences. I love the dark humor. I love Chloe's dark humor. Um, you know, when my spouse asked me, what do I want from the store? I'm like, bring death. And he's like, <laughs> they're all out of that. They don't have any more. I'm sorry. I could try somewhere else. <laughs> it's also been on my grocery list personally, so can relate. <laughs> so I, I, I love that because you, you can really tell if someone gets that or if they like, you know, clutch their pearls and shock or something. Um, so I, I love the book for that. And I also love that, you know, the Brown sisters are all so different in so many ways. Um, and they also feature a, a wide range of body types as well. And I really love that about them and, um, you know, how women of all sizes, you know, deserve love and can be loved and are com can be comfortable in their skin. And, and that's fine. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the importance for you for this kind of representation in your heroines? Yeah, body diversity is really important to me, I think, because it's something that I've had to think about in different ways at various points in my life. For one thing, because I was, well, I'm technically plus size now, but when I was younger, I was a lot heavier than I am now. And while I was trying to get diagnoses for my disabilities, it was always, well, you just need to lose weight. Um, and so that affected my life a lot. And also because of that, I kind of dealt with an eating disorder as a teenager. And then, you know, being disabled, you really need that sort of body positivity as well, because a lot of body positive messages that focus on appearance or kind of focus on making you care less about appearance will then say, well, you should love your body for what it does for you. You know, your body helps you to run here and feel good and it's like okay but what if my body doesn't let me do those things <laughs> how do I love my body now um and I've kind of had to figure that out and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that so when I do sit down and write a heroine especially it is always in the forefront of my mind that I want them to be okay as they are and obviously everyone's okay as they are, but it's very different writing someone who meets all of these standards of acceptable appearance and saying she's beautiful and deserves to be loved versus someone who doesn't meet those standards, but saying, well, she's still beautiful and still deserves to be loved. So I just really enjoy doing that in as many different ways as I can, because there are so many different ways to be and look and feel. And I think that they're all great. Yeah, I, I think it's so great that you're mentioning that, you know, folks in the medical industry can be so discriminatory towards plus size people and, and people who identify as fat, uh, just because it, recently it was National Eating Disorders Week. And one thing that people mentioned was, you know, their experiences walking into a doctor's office and the doctor having no knowledge, you know, of health at every size, body diversity, and a no diet mindset that really their only, I guess, solution was like, hey, you should go home and lose weight when really it did not identify any of their actual medical problems. And that is such a shame to see in the medical community that, you know, folks aren't receiving proper treatment just because they're fat or plus sized. 
So let's transition into talking about uh, your third book in the Brown Sisters series, Actor Age, Eve Brown. And uh, if you guys did not know, Eve Brown is so special to me uh, because it features two autistic characters. I want to I ask you, what was your approach to writing these two characters and the development of their relationship, I guess, compared to maybe how you would write a neurotypical or holistic character arc or relationship arc? Well, one reason why I was really excited to write two autistic characters in a romance is that I myself am autistic, and in my experience, a lot of the deeper, more enduring, or easier relationships I have are with other autistic people. I feel that we tend to gravitate towards each other and kind of be a safe haven in a social world where we're not always accepted or we don't always feel comfortable. And I think that's something really lovely that happens in real life. So I was excited to reflect it in a book. Um, And it was also really important to me that I have the opportunity to show that autistic people aren't the same because we're autistic and don't all fit into the, the typical stereotypes that mainstream media clings to a lot. Um, So that was fun, you know, to show that not only that even Jacob, two autistic characters, are individual people, but that because of that, they experience their autism in such wildly different ways. And, you know, there's countless other ways to experience it as well. Um, And as for kind of crafting their relationship arc, I really enjoyed the idea of them being so different that initially they just can't stand each other. Um, and you know that's always fun to to write in a romance enemies to lovers is one of my favorite tropes it's tricky but it's fun Um, but then at the same time I wanted to show from the moment they met that kind of instinctive understanding in certain aspects even when they didn't understand each other in other ways Um, so it was kind of a fine balance and it was a lot of fun walking that tightrope yeah, I think one of my favorite things about actor A. G. Brown is, oh my gosh, this is a mild tangent, but I saw this graphic on Twitter that was like, if you're a Pisces, your romance trope is sunshine and grump. And I was like, it has my favorite romance trope too. And I think, I think it's so cool, you know, that we can write uh, neurodivergent or autistic characters. I personally identify as neurodivergent uh, while also kind of incorporating these tropes that typically we only see neurotypical or holistic characters put in. So really just want to point that out. Um, and also this one scene in Eve Brown that seemed really, really pivotal to me and my own personal journey into, you know, exploring my own neurodivergence. Um, it's when Eve is looking on the internet for diagnostic criteria for an autism diagnosis uh, to see if the criteria match her traits. Um, and why was this scene particularly important for you to include? I think that You know, there are so many different ways that people learn about themselves and come to realize that they are autistic. And especially when you get into other marginalizations, for example, Eve being a black woman, you know, for a long time, they didn't think that anyone other than men could be autistic um, because they just don't know how to spot neurodivergent traits in people who aren't you know, of the demographic that they prioritize. And at the same time, you know, black children are also underdiagnosed or completely missed for similar reasons. And so, you know, living at the intersection of those identities, 
a lot of black women or people of marginalized genders just don't ever get diagnosed and don't get the support that they need and often find themselves thinking that there's something wrong with them and not understanding why they can't do the things that other people can do. So I really wanted to show that some people always know or are caught early, but other people really have to figure it out for themselves and do the DIY thing, you know, um, and also that people feel different ways about needing or not needing a diagnosis. And finally, that you don't have to kind of tick every perceived box and meet some imaginary uh, standard of what it means to be neurodivergent. Um, so just all those differences in the experience, I felt like Eve exploring in her own way really kind of summed that up. Yeah, I, I think that really speaks to, you know, a lot of folks' journeys into exploring their own neurodivergence, um, especially, you know, as people of color or as, you know, people with other disabilities, that really the only archetype in media, obviously, is like this rain man, you know, archetype that people have of autistic people. And also throughout the research, um, it's really only been studied like five-year-old boys and white men, right? So to compare the traits of like a black autistic adult woman, like a five-year-old white boy and a adult black woman are going to, you know, exhibit totally different traits because they have totally different lives, right? And it's so hard to get diagnosed due to many, many factors, but I, I think that demographics is such a huge one and and a way that is really kind of like off-putting for a lot of people to seek, you know, diagnosis as an adult. So I really appreciate you including that. You know, I wanted to ask you because, as we mentioned, my gateway into your books was the Ravenswood series. Um, and A Girl Like You uh, features Ruth, who is another autistic black woman. Um, and I actually read Hannah and Patience as autistic as well, um, although I think Ruth actually stated the word on the page. But anyways, um, so I did want to ask, even though they share uh, demographic traits in common with Eve, uh, what's important to you about telling each of their individual stories? Well, I love that you read Hannah and Patience as autistic as well, because that is how I wrote them. Oh, my um, gosh. <laughs> I love <laughs> it. I really wanted to get across this idea that, you know, especially in black communities or when you don't fit the stereotype, it's kind of chance as to whether you're going to get diagnosed or not. So the whole family is neurodivergent, but only Ruth is actually diagnosed. Um, but I like so many neurodivergent people read it and say, oh, I read Hannah and Patience as autistic as well. And I'm like, yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> but I just love, you know, with any kind of representation, my favorite thing is to write people who on paper tick all the same boxes but I write versions of them over and over again because you can be of the exact same demographic as someone else and you're still completely different people. And obviously the best way to show that in literature is to write all these people who are completely different people. Um, you know, because we have in, in romance, in historical romance, like a thousand different feisty redheads. <laughs> and I want to have a thousand different black autistic women, for example. <laughs> so I just love telling different stories about people who experience the same things, but in different ways. I really love that about the books because, um, I don't know, it's just a breath of fresh air. I feel like, you know, when you finally read a book that you feel represented in a certain way, 
uh, it's like, oh, I didn't realize what I was missing. And so Joss introduced me to your books and she's like, and I can only listen via audio because of my disability. She's like, and the Ravenswood series is on audio, Kendra, and you need to go read them because you need to. And I was like, okay. So, so I have them <laughs> on my Audible account ready to go. You now have written several romances now, including that series and some self-published titles and different things. As you've gone through your career, is it easier to write the books or do you find it more difficult as you try new things and, um, or is it a combination of the two? I've been wondering for a while that same thing. Is it easier as I go along? Because sometimes it seems easier, but then other times it seems much harder. Um, and then I saw this graph. It was actually about art and it, it was kind of, you know, on the one hand, your art skill improves, but on the other hand, your ability to see what is good also improves. So you get to a point where your standard for what the art should be is currently higher than your skill. And so you think, oh, this is terrible. Whereas when your skill was lower, your standards were lower as well. And so you thought it was great. And I, I definitely feel that with my writing. I feel like there are times when I'm like, oh, I'm doing amazing. This is so much better than the last book. And then, you know, my standards bump up and suddenly I'm like, actually, I'm terrible at this. <laughs> So it's, it's, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I feel that definitely. I feel like definitely my own worst critic in a lot of things. Like, you know, I hesitate to listen to like past podcast episodes, like from, you know, a few years ago, because it's like, I'm not sure I can do that, you know? <laughs> but like we've mentioned, you have so many books out now. Uh, do you have a place that you would recommend uh, listeners go first? Um, I actually recently kind of wrote out a reading order that I put on my website, but I don't think you have to strictly follow the reading order. I think a lot of my books, even the ones in series, do kind of stand alone. Um, and I think where you should start depends on what you enjoy. So if you if you do enjoy kind of bouncy rom-coms, then the Brown Sisters series is a good place to start. Um, also a good place to start is... Sweet on the Greek, which is actually book three in a series, but that doesn't matter. Um, whereas if you prefer more kind of angsty, emotional stuff, then I would suggest you start with work for it. Um, but yeah, to be honest, I kind of hope that readers can have a look and see what draws them in the most and just start anywhere. I think that's always fun. Well, we wanted to ask you, um, before we let you go, some fun questions. And so uh, what are some books that you've been reading that you would recommend to our listeners? And they can be something you've read recently, something that's helped you get through the pandemic, really whatever you would like to share. Oh, my gosh. I love book questions. Okay, let me open my e-reader right now because I never remember titles of what I'm reading. Um, I just describe them really badly. Okay, so right now... I'm reading either fantasy romance or kind of category style romance that feels like a fantasy version of contemporary because it's so like amped up, you know. So I am currently reading or rereading Sword Heart by T. Kingfisher, which is like a rom-com romp, but in a fantasy world, but also there's a lot of stabbing. Um, <laughs> it's a... <laughs> It's about a widow who is kind of trapped by her husband's family um, and then she finds an old sword 
and it turns out the sword is enchanted and it's actually a man and he is sworn to protect whoever wields the sword so then they kind of run around chopping heads off people etc <laughs> it's a lot of fun <laughs> um i also love 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 the jasmine throne by tasha suri i read an arc i don't think it's out yet but as soon as it is out the world needs to read it because <laughs> it blew my mind it's like high fantasy a princess and a maidservant but the maidservant is like she's not what she seems and the princess is also not what she seems because she's terrifyingly badass and they're trapped in a tower and there's a lot of politics and magic and oh my god it gave me so many feelings um it's amazing and i'm also reading after hours attraction by kiana alexander which is one of the category romances i was talking about it's about a single man who has a crush on her boss they work at a recording company and he has a crush on her as well but he obviously doesn't want to say anything because he's her boss and it's just a lot of pining and i'm loving it <laughs> pining the word that uh my ears perk up like Dylan, Kendra's Corgi, my favorite word. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I think I will definitely pick up all of those. As you were talking, I was like, well, going to get that one, that one too. And also the third one. So <laughs> awesome. Sounds good. So I have some fun questions here for you. Uh, at, at the end of our interviews, uh, we like to, uh, ask some more creative ones to to our authors. So what I've devised for you today is I have several, um, I guess like in, in the yearbook in, in high school, it's like most likely to blah, blah, blah. So <laughs> uh, I really want to maybe introduce uh, our listeners to maybe some of your books that are, you know, some of your backlist books, maybe some that people are not super familiar with. Um, so please feel free to pick characters and any and all of your books, but uh, the the theme is out of all your protagonists, who would be most likely to? So let's get going. <laughs> so the first one is uh, who would be most likely to play every single sport in high school? I I feel like I have two for this. <laughs> That's totally great. I love it. <laughs> okay, so Zaf from Take a Hint, Danny Brown. Um, sports <laughs> god and very enthusiastic man <laughs> and then Nick from Sweet on the Greek who is a footballer and is also a very enthusiastic man he has a lot of Labrador qualities gosh Labrador <laughs> qualities I'm married but if I had a dating profile I would be definitely put that on there you you must possess Labrador qualities <laughs> <laughs> all right second one uh, out of all your protagonists who would be most likely to book a non-refundable trip around the world traveling by themselves? Ooh. Ooh. I have to think about that. Okay. I feel like none of them at the end of the book would go by themselves because they're just so desperately in love that they always want to be with <laughs> the other person. But um, I feel like Jasmine from Wanna Bet would be the type of person to be like, you know what? I'm just going to leave. Um, goodbye. Oh my gosh. Amazing. I totally see it. I was like, I wonder. Okay. Uh, the next one is who out of all your protagonists would be most likely to decorate the house with an extravagant festive lights show for the holidays? Oh, I think 
either no I think Eve from actor age Eve Brown I can see her getting very excited I think Jacob would actually enable her he'd be like yes we do need to have the best decorations yeah and he would be like they have to be the best (laughs) it's on brand (laughs) all right Uh, The next one is, who out of all your protagonists would be most likely to be the best to wallow and cry with after a bad breakup? Ooh, I feel like Zach from that kind of guy, he is very sweet and very emotionally literate. And he was really, you know, he was really supportive when his brother was going through a difficult time. And he's best friends with Hannah, who is a sad girl. So I think he'd, yeah, he'd have that covered. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I was like, yay, she picked him. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Can you tell that I've, like, really put a lot of thought into this? And I'm like, I wonder if she's going to pick this character, but I'm just not. She's going to hold my tongue for a little bit. All right. My last one is uh, who out of all your protagonists would be most likely to be the best to throw and smash things with in a very angry manner after a bad breakup? Oh, Hannah. Hannah from Untouchable loves to smash things on behalf of her loved ones. (laughs) I love that for her. (laughs) That's that's definitely me. You know, uh, I, I have a friend who's been trying to date during a pandemic and sometimes she'll tell me something one of them said, and obviously it didn't go well. And I'm like, I know, like, we don't condone violence. And if my hand wouldn't break, I, w- I would definitely be there, you know, punching him for you. <laughs> but, uh, I've heard that handbrakes are pretty bad. So maybe not that, but <laughs> she's like, I appreciate the thought. That's very, that's very nice of you, Kendra. I was like, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and chatting with us today about your books. Um, Huge fans. I have them all on audio. Definitely planning to re-listen now that the third one's out. Um, Oh, and before I let you go, I heard that you have a book deal for another romance series. Is there anything you can tell us about that? Yes. So it's another trilogy and it's kind of a spinoff of the Brown Sisters. Um, in Actor Age, Eve Brown, she moves to a small town called Skybriar, and the pub is owned by the Montrose family, um, and it's a brother and two twin sisters. And the books are going to be about them, but they're also going to be kind of transformations of my favorite Austen novels. So it's going to be fun. <laughs> oh my gosh, stop. Literally got chills. I can't wait. <laughs> We're just here to smash the pre-order button. Like, that's our job now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for coming on the show and uh, sharing all this with our listeners. Thank you so much. I had a really great time. All right. And that's our show. We'd like to thank Tali Hibbert for talking with us about Actor Age Eve Brown, which is out now in paperback from Avon. You can find Talia Hibbert on Instagram and Twitter at Talia Hibbert and on her website, taliahibbert.com. Many thanks to our patrons whose support makes this podcast possible. Reading Women is a member of Lit Hub Radio. This episode was produced and edited by Kendra Winchester. You can find me, Joss, on social media at Swivels Reads and Kendra at KD Winchester. Our music is by Mickey Saito with Isaac Green. 
You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at The Reading Women. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.